to the Attractions Group Podcast. This is episode 55. I'm Ryan Sir, along with Don Helbig. Don, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, I've been spending the past few days binge-watching The Lincoln Lawyer. Have you seen that I show? I have not. Have you heard about uh, it? Now I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, great cast. Um you know, so I, I got hooked after the, the first episode and haven't been able to turn it off. I'm now on season two, three episodes in. Don't want to give away any details about the show if people haven't watched it yet. But, uh, you know, definitely check it out. The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Awesome. Well, anyway, um, back to the subject at hand. Thank you for visiting us here at the Attractions Group Podcast. If you prefer the video version, which is actually a live video, it's not just a logo on the screen, search for the Attractions Group Podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, and so on. Uh, and follow us on Twitter, slash X, whatever they're calling it today, at Attractions underscore GRP. So Don, it's getting into your favorite time of the year outside of theme parks, NFL season. So you've been working with the Cincinnati Bengals for as long as I've known you, at least. Are you doing that again this year? I will be going back to work for the Bengals. I've been involved with them on game days uh, since 2005. So it's the longest that I've uh, worked for anybody is the Bengals. You know, they treat me fantastic. So every year I look forward to going back. Uh, this Friday night, Green Bay Packers, preseason game number one. You don't really see any of the regulars uh, play in the preseason games, but you're still seeing a lot of guys competing and battling to make the team. A lot of them will be in special teams roles. So, you know, it's it's a good game in that respect that everyone battles hard because they're fighting for a spot in the NFL, if not with the team. Uh, with Cincinnati or Green Bay, they're trying to put something on tape for everybody else, and that makes it fun and exciting uh, for me. I will be the uh, press box PA uh, for Friday night's game. I filled in doing that a couple years ago, uh, basically doing play-by-play, -play, but after the fact. You know, So instead of as it's happening after the play is over, you recap what just happened for the media. Uh, so that will make it fun for me as well on, on Friday night. So looking forward to it. Love the NFL season. Uh, couldn't get here soon enough. Yeah, Don. I mean, I tell you what, uh, I, I've always been very clear about being more of a college football fan. I, I like the rules better. I'm a big UC Bearcats fan. Um, but with the Bengals performing well, it's kind of turned the tide a little bit. I, I hate to sound like a fair weather friend, but it definitely piqued my interest. So I'm going to try to make it out to a game or two. Um, is it weird to you? Is is this very like simp basic that I really want to go to the Monday night games because they're going to be wearing those sweet white helmets? Is that, is that enough to bring somebody out or is that just me? Love the, the white helmets. Aren't they awesome? You know, I think that they're awesome. And I think you cannot beat the atmosphere of a Monday night game. Yeah, because they have, uh, since it's, uh, they're still on ESPN, right? Monday night. I know that some of that shifted around. Yeah. They shift around, but yeah, I believe it's still Monday. It's hard to keep track of that oh, now, Yeah, with the it? streaming and, you know, with baseball, with Bally Sports and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, um, you know, they're going to have the the big intros because it's a nation nationally televised game and stuff. So I'm going to try to try to make it out there. I'm sure tickets won't be cheap, but it'll be worth seeing it because I really have no doubt the Bengals will be a Super Bowl contender. Not necessarily in the Super Bowl. I'm not guaranteeing that, but people are going to have eyes on them because what a fun team to watch regardless. But forget about this. Yeah, if they stay healthy. I think they can. Do I, I completely agree. But that's not the only news you have. So behind you, I see something. Now, my eyes are going in my old age, but it says theme parks by Don. Don, are you betraying me in creating competition? 
No, Ryan, I'm not. Um, you know, I, I posted on Monday on my social media channels that uh, coming soon was Theme Parks by Don. And what it's going to be is a go-to destination for all things theme parks, uh, including like the latest news, feature stories, um, analysis, you know, from your favorite parks and resorts. I'll do some roadside attraction type stories. Um, there'll be different components of it. Uh, you know, the primary part will be a blog. Uh, there'll be live streams. Um, also, as part of this umbrella is going to be um, freelance consulting uh, that I'll be doing a little bit in the industry. So it's it's a little bit all-encompassing, uh, but the, the primary piece of it is, is going to be a blog. And I really started thinking about this back in 2019. Uh, it was August of 2019 when it, when it came to mind that it would be something that I, I wanted to do at some point down the road and uh, here we are so it's time to to get ready to launch it'll likely launch next week uh with the initial um stories that i, I post on theme parks by don and then like i said in time you know look for live streams uh, that'll be a lot of uh theme park news and notes if you ever watch the the show on uh, mlb network uh, high heat you know kind of think about that kind of concept for what i'm looking for with with the live streams but that would be something that whether on facebook twitter youtube it's all live at the same time mm. that'll go out on those channels so uh there's a lot to it it's gonna be a lot involved i'm excited about it um, i've had a couple of different uh, you know parks once they saw that i was doing that that kind of you know reached out and asked uh, you know if there was some stories and things you know can i help them promote their events so that was nice to see that uh, people are looking at it as, as you know, as me being someone that can help them uh, get their stories in front of other people. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever be to the point where we're invited to Media Day, Don? <laughs> or do you think it'll be just you <laughs> with your blog? <laughs> well, let's, let's, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. I, I, I'm not doing the blog with the intent, you know, to get invited to Media Day events. If that came along, you know, you certainly you, you think about that. If you are a a uh, you know amusement theme park out there, a roadside attraction or something like that, you know, you you might want to, you know, think about including me on your distribution list for the things you have going on because the audience that I will reach is the audience you want to reach and be excited about what you're doing. So they buy tickets and passes and those kinds of things. Uh, but as far as media day events. That's not why, you know, I'm involved with it. Um, as far as the Attractions Group podcast, you know, again, it's something that can make a lot of sense for some parks. You know, we're, we're growing our audience. Um, you know, we see the feedback and things that people enjoy what we talk about, um, the different topics, the different parks and things. So, you know, who knows? Uh, it just really depends on on the park and who they want to get in front of, whether or not they would ever include us on, on one of those kind of things. Well, we'd be grateful for it. But again, no pressure. Um, okay, cool, cool. Um, speaking of parks that should invite us to media day, but we're just going to talk about them anyway. Uh, you recently went to Holiday World. Don, for those who don't know, for those who live under a rock, let's say Plymouth Rock, but really any rock, describe Holiday World in just a couple words. Well, it's a magical place. You know, it's nestled in the heart of Santa Claus, Indiana. Um, it's a one-of-a-kind theme park it celebrates the spirit of joy and the holiday magic that you know of all those different holidays that go on all year round the holiday world's not open year round but they celebrate those different holidays you know we're talking about uh you know christmas 
Thanksgiving, Fourth uh, of July. You know, so you see the different themed areas named after those holidays, and you know it's just really, really well done. Um, but in addition, you know, to being a uh, just a theme park holiday world, and it's also got Splash and Safari. Um, it's an enchanting destination. Visitors of all ages, they can experience the thrill of you know heart pounding rides. So they've got great, great thrill rides. We'll get to those in a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, you can splash in exhilarating water attractions in their water park. One of the best I've seen anywhere in the industry. Um, you know, you can check out those theme lands. It's just really a magical place. And, and I think it's, it's a place that, uh, you know, it's kind of hidden out there. But when you go, you're going to fall in love with it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, when I, I really hate it when parks are park and water park in the name, but it's really justified with Holiday World and Splash and Safari, which I believe is the entire full name is Holiday World and Splash and Safari. It is the full name. correct? Um, because Holiday Worlds, there are a lot of parks out there that have really good water parks. And it's kind of like, why would you go there? It's only got one coaster. Or it's only got five rides. It's like, but their water park is really good. Holiday World does not compromise on either. Let's start with the water park because the water park is so freaking good there. Now, to be clear, I like my local water parks. I go occasionally. But if I'm traveling hours to another park, I don't care about your water park. I'm there for the actual rides. The exception is Holiday World. Holiday World, a visit to Holiday World is incomplete without going to Splash and Safari. And I want to give a shout out to the golden ticket winner for the best water ride for many, many years, Mammoth. I had no idea what I was getting into with that, but that is a water coaster with so many uphill, like linear induction sections. That ride is so freaking cool. As soon as you think it's over, you're about a quarter of the way through. So fun. Have you ever been on that? I have. Uh, That whole water park, you know, it's an aquatic adventure there. Uh, You know, they've got you know, some of those thrilling attractions in there with the water slides, uh, wave pools, lazy rivers, splash zones, uh, food too. There's plenty of dining options. You know, a lot of water parks will have one or two. You know, this one seems to have one around every corner. When I was there this past visit a couple of weeks ago, I did not um, experience the water park in terms of, you know, getting in the water net, but I certainly, you know, walked around, uh, got a bite to eat, uh, you know, it was hopping, everybody having a great time. And it's a big draw for Holiday World is their water park, as you mentioned, you know, award winning mm-hmm. and with good reason. Yeah, it, 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 you know, I definitely um, when it comes to water parks, there's there's a very narrow demographic that's like this water park is better than that water park, because I think the majority of people just take what they get. But anybody can look at Holiday World's water park and be like, this is special. This is different. This offers more, you know, it, it's unique. They, I haven't even gotten to write the cheetah chase yet. Is that what it's called? It's cheetah chase or cheetah hunt? Cheetah hunts the one in Bush Gardens, Tampa. Cheetah chase is the like racing launched water coaster. Um, that one was, I think it went down for the day. The last time I was in the water park, cause it was brand new. Um, but I haven't even gotten to ride that yet. That's one of a couple of, of water coasters that they have. Um, not to mention, and you can just spend the whole day there and have, you know, some, like you said, some of these parks that are tied in where it's the water park and, and the, uh, you know, amusement theme park and the hard park area. This is one that, you know, if you just went just for that, you could spend the entire day there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, 
You don't run out of things to do. You will not run out of things to do. It's uh, it's it's funny because acreage wise, it's not like insane, but everywhere you look, there's water slides, water slides on top of water slides. That's kind of my favorite part about it is the look and feel because there's water slides everywhere. There's a lazy river. There's there's a wave pool, you know, plenty of kids activities. They added a bunch of kids slides uh, within the last decade. So very awesome. So enough about the water park. Let's go into the dry park now. How unique is it? It's themed after four different holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, and 4th of July. With, in my memory, Thanksgiving being added, uh, and that was with uh, The Voyage in 2006, along with Gobbler Getaway and stuff, but we'll get to all that. Um, now, my parents tell me that I, I actually visited in the early 80s as a baby when it was just Santa Claus town, you know, because it's in Santa Claus, Indiana. Um, What's it been like? When did you start hearing about Holiday World or, or Santa Claus Land? Uh, as far as somebody that lives in the Cincinnati market that was like an adult when they made the conversion to Holiday World, what was the thing that kind of got people talking? Well, for me, when I first really you know heard about it and visited was in the 1980s that uh, a girl I knew that had been in uh, one of the Kings Island country shows, um, she was going to spend the next summer working at Holiday World. You know, so I wanted to go, you know, see her in the shows there. And, you know, they didn't have, you know, the voyage and, you know, the legend and the rides that they have today there. Um, but it was charming. You know, that whole little town, you know, kind of caught me by surprise because I'd never heard of Santa Claus, Indiana until then. Um, so, you know, the entertainment was good. They had some good, you know, the, the, the family rides were, were fun. And it was, uh, you know, it was nice. But it's not that park today. I mean, now you look at the roller coaster collection as good as anybody. And it's not in terms of numbers, but the quality of the roller coasters, I mean, top shelf. Uh, you look at the family rides, top shelf. Talk about the food, you know, outstanding. Entertainment, very good. Water park, very good. Award winning, you know. So it started to evolve you know, in the, you know, the later eighties and into the nineties to what it is today. But my first time there, you know, it was your old, you know, old school, you know, just traditional, you know, family kind of park, you know, something to do for everybody in that area. It wasn't bringing the visitors that it does today from all over. You know, now you've got people coming from coast to coast just to ride the voyage, just to ride the Raven, just to ride the legend. Um, so it's, it's definitely changed in terms of, uh, you know, putting itself on the map with the attractions that they've added over the years. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, it's, uh, it's always been family. Owned. I mean, I, I, it's pseudo family owned at this point. It's owned by cook development, which is primarily owned by the cook family that is owned and operated the park for since its inception, really. Um, yeah, eight, 1946, I believe is when it, uh, when it first opened as a small like recreation area. Yeah, it was a small recreation area, only Christmas. Uh, and I believe it had the train, which is now sitting in the park on display. They refurbished it. Uh, so it's a display unit, but this tiny little train, I guess, for, for little kids to ride. Um, but yeah, it's one of the oldest, oldest continually operating amusement parks in the United States. Certainly. Well, I'll call it a theme park because of the different areas. So we'll I, I would, I would certainly call it a theme park. Um, so, uh, you know, th their real foray into national attention was, uh, when they added the Raven, now the Raven is a, a CCI coaster, uh, short, but sweet. Um, so let's talk about, I went there when it first opened, uh, the Raven and just absolutely loved that coaster. Like you said, short, 
but relentless. Absolutely. Yeah. Quality over quantity, really. Um, so the Raven opened in 95. Uh, do you remember there being a lot of buzz about that, even in the Cincinnati market? There was. There was a lot of buzz because at that time, you know, the American coaster enthusiast had been around, you know, since 1970, you know, 879 when they really started to grow. So being an ACE member, you know, certainly heard about, you know, the announcement for it. Uh, construction updates were in ACE news. So I was very excited about it. And, you know, when it opened, word traveled fast that this, you know, ride is, if not at the time, the best wooden roller coaster out there it was certainly, you know, in the argument. And uh, it had ranked number one at different times. For so, years. Uh, that ride. And when I was, yeah, when I was on it um, a couple weeks ago, it was still, you know, that great ride that I remembered from when it first opened. And, you know, it just rekindled a lot of a lot of fun memories that I had riding it, you know, over the years and reminded me why I loved it. You know, again, I, I wasn't worried about, you know, everybody sometimes when we were talking about different roller coasters, they look at the stats. Oh, it's too short. Don't worry about that. Just worry about the thrill it gives. And it gives an incredible thrill every time I ride it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if you make the argument for a ride's too short, I mean, track length is, is whatever. But ride time, you know, ask the 1,500 people in line for Top Thrill Dragster or even tri- Top Thrill 2 at any point. What's better? Quality yeah, or from quantity? the time you leave the station on, on the Raven until you get back. I mean, it's it's relentless. I mean, it just rips, you know, through the course and. Um, you know, you get some airtime, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. you know, going a little bit side to side. Um, I, I keep using the word relentless, but that's what it is. And that's what all. Yeah. Those yeah. It doesn't let up at all. Um, and, and that's the cool part about it is because it seems like most rides have some sort of downtime, usually immediately after the mid course, it seemingly is kind of a rough time for, for a lot of coasters, but that doesn't do it. Uh, it keeps jogging along. Uh, you know, obviously it's the Raven. It's in the hall. Not the correct sound effect. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, actually speaking of sound effects, uh, if I recall now, I haven't been to holiday world this year, but I recall that, uh, they ring the bell, the bell tower. Every time a train goes out, am I correct about that? Or am I making that up? Yes. There, there's a, there's like a little bell, like, you know, that we hear about when you're riding it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's the Raven it's in the Halloween section. It's obviously based off of Edgar Allan Poe's, you know, quote, the Raven Nevermore and so on. Great logo. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. One thing that I think is underappreciated is how cool, like, the station building looks. It's got those gates and stuff going in. I think that's so mm-hmm. neat. I Like, the attention to Very detail. Very well-themed. Oh, it's so well done. Yeah, well-themed, you know, well-thought-out, you know, when, when you're looking at, you know, everything they do, it's well-thought-out. Yeah. So, uh, moving along... Um, you know, they, they stuck in the hall in the Halloween section for the next major coaster. And then we're talking about, uh, the legend, obviously legend of sleepy hollows, where that's coming from that opened in 2000. That's another CCI. So the thing that makes that kind of unique is that it's not so much an airtime machine. It's more like a laterals machine. If that's a thing, a lot of laterals, lots of, laterals, yes. lots of tunnels and stuff. I, I think it's lots really cool. Laterals, incredible, incredible, um, pacing on the right i mean it's again another one of those uh coasters they have that you know you leave the lift hill and it's non-stop action until you get back in the station now what caught my uh, attention when i wrote it a couple weeks ago you know after writing it you know multiple times over the year now i had not been there you know pre-pandemic uh was as i'm writing it 
how long it actually feels, you know, that ride that it, it just keeps going mm-hmm. and going and going. And, uh, you know, I got back into the station and was just like, wow, you know, this, this was incredible. I got to go do that again. Um, but in, as we get to the next couple of coasters too, after each time I rode one, you know, that's my favorite coaster here. Then I ride the next one. No, this is my favorite coaster here. And I really couldn't decide at the end of my visit, which one was my favorite. Cause there's, you know, things about each one of them that I just absolutely love. And when you have a difficult decision like that, um, you know, it just makes it all the better because when you go there, you want to do them all over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And I will reveal my hands down favorite coaster by the end of the show. Uh, but yeah, so moving along. Um, so my, my exposure to holiday world was in 2006 for, their Hollywood Nights events when they debuted to the coaster enthusiast community, at least the voyage along with the, with the, the Thanksgiving section. God, you talk about if there's one ride that could dethrone the beast, the voyage may be it. I mean, I go back and forth, but man, the voyage is such a good ride. And, and I remember um, when they were building it with their, I think they called it the hollow blog or something at the, whatever their blog was at the time where yeah. Will Cook ran, um, that, uh, they, they originally had the heel, the helixes, the helices at the end at a certain degree. And they were like, it's so close to 90. We just decided to make it 90. And it's like, I wish I had that kind of versatility and major life decisions <laughs> like that. But you talk about hard pounding excitement, you know, that ride, you know, relentless again, another word we're going to use. It's got length. It's got speed. It really is everything you want in a wooden roller coaster and more. It seems like they took the best elements of every wooden coaster out there and packaged it all into this coaster. I, yeah, I would agree. They, they took the, the most thrilling elements, to say the least, of, of every wooden coaster. Um, and, and what's funny, it's fantastic. when I wrote it in 2006, I remember thinking this is butter smooth and, you know, because you don't always have that with wooden coasters. Uh, came back about 10 years later. And it was much rougher. And I, for me, it was a one and done thing. But then I came back, I think it was last year, pretty certain it was last year. And it was butter smooth again because they had done a big like retracking and stuff. And it became a ride that you could ride over and over again uh, just because you didn't have that like just horrible discomfort. Now, it's aggressive. It's very aggressive. And it's, uh, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, but it's not uncomfortable by any means. I mean, with the no, and that's a good word to use. Aggressive. I mean, the layout and design of it, you know, that it's going to be like that before you even ride it. Uh, but they've done a great job, you know, of of doing the retracking work. You know, wood coasters as the age, you know, you're always going to have to do a lot of maintenance like that. But I think the other thing, Ryan, that you and I would have to look at too here is, you know, we're getting older. As you get older the rides may seem a little rougher than they really that, are, that or we're also true. used, <laughs> but we're also used to some other, you know, the steel coasters that have come around the last, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, they're so smooth, especially now like the B and M's and that, you know, you go from, from that to riding any wooden coaster. I don't care which one it is, you know, it's going to seem a little rough and it's, it's not really, it's just that now you're used to riding all these steel coasters that are butter smooth. Well, that's true. And the, the technology for wood coasters now compared to, 2006 is incredibly changed. I mean, you look at your mystic timbers and your stuff like that with the articulated trains and stuff. Uh, they're definitely trying to make them. So they're not as 
jackhammery and stuff. But with that being said, they've got PTC trains on this. It's old school. That's what the direction they wanted to go. They flirted with the idea of having timber liners on there, ended up quashing it, um, you know, pretty early in the process. Uh, and I, I don't know if they made the wrong decision because I feel like you might have lo lost some of the aggressiveness that you get out of the PTC trains, just knowing that this big cumbersome devices barreling through this track as opposed to yeah, that's one of the reasons one of the things to me that makes it special is just the way you barrel through there yeah yeah it's definitely and it's tall too i mean it's like uh it you know we've talked about um you know wooden hyper coasters and how great those turn out but this one uh let, let me look up the height i don't know it offhand um but uh it's tall enough that it's actually like an intimidating hill let me pull this up Oh, it looks intimidating. You know, when you enter that Thanksgiving section and, you know, you might be off to the side having, you know, a meal or something, then you look up at that lift hill. Yeah, it looks intimidating for sure. Yeah. Um, so the hill is actually a height of 159 feet, which is incredibly tall for a traditional wooden coaster with a drop of 134 feet, which once, once again, is pretty good. Maximum speed of 67 miles an hour, vertical angle of 66 degrees. Yeah, and you feel like you're going a heck of a lot faster than that. Stadium. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's nonstop. You're going left to right. Um, you're just ripping through the course. Now, one thing that I do see on here is, uh, according to rcdb.com, the duration is 2 minutes 45 seconds. They typically include the lift hill time with that. So I don't think that's right. I think it's longer than that. It feels longer it, it than that. It at least feels sure. longer than that. But, I mean, with how tall that lift hill is, it takes quite a bit. I mean, maybe it's right. I don't know. But if, if you go on such an adventure, such a voyage, shall we say? Well, that one and the legend, they both just kept going for me. You know, just when you think it's about over, it's not. It just keeps going. Uh, just just phenomenal experiences on both of those coasters. Yeah. Um. So but it was built by our friends at Gravity Group. Um. And uh, so the intention, from what I understand, was that they purchased PTC trains for it. And then they they had sold them. They sold them to Darien Lake, which are now on Predator, with the intention of running timber liners. The project got quashed, so they ended up using one of the trains from the Raven on it for a while, for about a season. So they were down to one train on Voyage for, I don't know, about a year. I think it was the second year that they were doing that. Uh, and then they ended up purchasing a brand new PTC train for it. So now it's, you know, they're all evened up with all the trains and stuff. But again, they may have been making the best possible decision uh, when it comes to keeping the PTC train. I, I, my understanding is that there was an internal struggle of, do we want to have this as a traditional coaster? Or do we want to make it more modern? Ultimately, the more traditional look and feel of the coaster won out. And I think we're at an agreement that that's, that's the direction to go with it, you know, but you know, we've been talking, but easy to see why it's been voted number one multiple Absolutely. times. Absolutely. Um, but let's let's hop off the coaster for a second because right across the street is the Gobbler Getaway. The Gobbler Getaway is a freaking delight. So, for those of you who don't know, and I say that a lot, but I imagine a lot of you do know, uh, the Gobbler Getaway is a shooting dark ride, and as opposed to shooting booze or ghosts or whatever. You are calling turkeys to try to save them from Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, and I think it's, um, they've got fantastic practical anima, uh, animatronics. Like at the beginning, there's this like old lady that's telling the story and she's just lifelike enough to just give me the chills. But uh, you shoot with these things, which are like, they, 
you know, they're, they're, it's a Sally Dark ride, but the gun looks like a Telzon for any of you who've worked in retail, the price scanner thing. Um, but they shoot pretty accurately. You go through and you're calling all the turkeys. Every time you hit the button, it's like, you know, that, that kind of noise. And then at the end, the big reveal, spoiler alert, is that uh, the family's all gathered around Thanksgiving dinner. And the, the animatronic pulls up the lid from the big dish in the middle. And as opposed to having turkey, they're having pizza this Thanksgiving. So all the, tur- all the turkeys were saved. So I think that's just delightful. And it... it it's so nice in there. You know, it's, um, I love dark rides mainly cause you, it's so, it's such a contrast from what you're used to. I think that's my big attraction to dark rides and indoor rides is everything else is so bright and lively when you're at a theme park and then you go inside where it's dark and creepy and stuff. And uh, that's just a huge contrast from what you're used to seeing. But right. now Thanksgiving doesn't stop there. And in the future, it's going to continue to grow because then you get to, uh, Holiday World's first major steel coaster, which had probably the best teaser campaign that I've ever seen. Uh, do you remember the, was it 66 Days at Sea? Is that what they were doing? Every yeah. day was a different clue. Yeah, it and it's a different, a different clue. Yeah. For, for a long period of time. And, uh, you know, well played, well done again by Holiday World with their teaser campaign. Right. Yeah. And um, to my recollection, and I, I think I read this in a blog and it might've been by, um, like Sean Flaherty or somebody like that, that's everywhere at all times, or at least was, um, they, they took enthusiasts into the park, maybe for opening day, or maybe it was Hollywood nights or something like that. And they took them back to the construction site where there wasn't a lot of action going on. It was just kind of evident that something was going. And they told an enthusiast to dig up something that was in the ground. And it was the first clue of the 66 days at sea. And then they released a different one every day. And it turned out that the story was, uh, they fabricated about like, a you know, a Thunderbird flying around like the, the Mayflower or something like that, which gets us to Thunderbird, uh, launched wing coaster by B and M. Uh, and I'm going to go right off the bat and say, that is my favorite holiday world ride. Hands down used to be the voyage got bumped off. Thunderbird is a fantastic ride. How many times did you ride Thunderbird when you were down there? I rode it twice. Uh, I wanted the ride you know, toward the front and rode toward the back. Uh, incredible with that launch. Uh, so smooth, you know, going through through the ride and through the loops. And uh, I, I couldn't believe how smooth it was. Yeah. I'm, so yeah. like you, though, I mean, I, you know, rode it the first time. Loved it. This is my favorite right here. Rode it the second. It's my favorite right here. Then I go back and ride the other ones again, and that's my favorite ride there. So I couldn't really decide. But, you know, when you look at the different coasters that they offer there, you know, they're all unique. They're all exhilarating experiences. Um, you know, they keep you coming back for more. And that's what you want. I mean, none of their none of their coasters disappoint. No, they don't. They're all A-plus coasters. They're all you know, on the A plus game, it, it's just incredible, but I, I don't want to stray away and just start like patting every coaster on the back. Cause I want to talk about Thunderbird, uh, enough <laughs> to, to satisfy my, my desire to talk about Thunderbird. So you mentioned the launch, the launch. I, I, it's, I think it's the only wing coaster with a launch, at least in the United States and the pure physics behind just knowing how much that train does weigh and probably weighs. I have no idea. And it can get that thing up to like 60 miles an hour to do that Emelman loop and stuff. Just incredible. Um, that is great visually too. Oh yeah. Uh, a photographer and you like taking photos of coasters, 
I mean, just beautiful to take photos of that. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, the one thing that um, one of my friends figured out and they told me to do uh, is when you do the launch, because the launch is, I think the acceleration might be more than normal. At least it feels that way. Um, that uh, if you like kind of look down while you're launching, it gives you like a real dizzy sensation. I guess it pushes the blood down in your head. And then the rest of the ride, you're like tripping and stuff because you're like grayed out. Uh, I, that's not medical advice, but um, the, the cool thing about the wing coaster. And I, I think that every time I ride the wing coasters that, that I frequent, so we're talking about gatekeeper at Cedar point and um, uh, wild Eagle at Dollywood. Yeah, I appreciate them a little bit more each time I ride them. But the problem with them is that especially especially Gatekeeper, it hits that mid-course and it just kind of wanders from there. And then it's kind of like, well, I might as well get off here. This one is running on all cylinders at all times. It's like the voyage of wing coasters. Literally, I'm one of those people that's I'm an originist. And I, yeah, you know, even I'd rather have anything than a clone coaster. Even when we're talking about things like Millennium Force and so on, I wouldn't want that cloned at my home park. I'd want something original. If they were cloning Thunderbird at my home park, I would be elated because I am that happy with it. Best wing coaster. It'll be very... T the only way that somebody could beat it is if they still did a launch, maybe faster, and made the ride, I don't know, longer. I think the the line, the, the ride is plenty long, but... Maybe I'm just thinking out loud, but it's going to be tough to beat that as far as wing coasters are concerned. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah, and you got the setting there too with it, you know. So I think that makes it, uh, you know, also adds to the uniqueness of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just Thunderbird. I I can't say enough about it. Um. If you haven't been down there since they built it or haven't gotten to ride it, you're you really they're open through the middle of October. I think just make it on down there. By the way, Don, I promised myself I would bring this up, and I'm just thinking of it now. Uh, just for the sake of shout out, uh, Holiday World does have their own podcast. It's the official Holiday World podcast. They call it the Ho-Wo-Po. Uh, and if you're a big fan of Holiday World, it's it's really great. It's it's funny. It's fun. It's interactive. And, you know, they talk about the goings on uh, that's going on with the, with the park. Um, but, you know, it, it's not just about the rides and the shows, but the food. What did you get to eat while you were there? Because their food selection is pretty good, too. Their food selection is really good. Uh, they had a new item that uh, debuted this year that I wanted to try. And it was uh, what they called the Hot Honey Chicken Mac. It was in the Thanksgiving area, so right near the entrance uh, to Thunderbird. And um, my God, it was off the, off the charts good. Uh, one of the best you know, meals that I've ever had at a theme park. I mean, it was that good. Um, and when I was driving home from Holiday World, you know, normally you go home and you're thinking about the coasters and the other rides and that that you did. But I was thinking about this food item as much as I was the coasters. And it was something that, you know, when I go back, I'm going to look just as full, just as forward to getting that again as I am my rides on the voyage, the Raven, the legend. Um, you know, so. The, I, you know, again, I, I just, it just was one of those things that made that visit so memorable was, was the food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I remember what's the restaurant that's in Thanksgiving and it was supposed to open with the rest of the park in 2007, but it ended up getting pushed back a year. Oof. 
I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I but they have good like good things too there. I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, you know, my wife got a snack there. You know, which was was really good. You know, she she ate that while I went to ride uh, some of the coasters and. You know, their food's really good. And the other thing they have there, too, that's a nice, nice, uh, you know, thing for the guest is it's free, unlimited soft drinks. Yes. So you get your your Pepsi products, you know. So for me, you know, Mountain Dew and, you know, I, I love that. So that's nice. But also, you know, if it's a it's a hot day and you're trying to stay, you know, hydrated and, and those kind of things, you can get water out of those. But you can also get your, you know, your Gatorade, your Fruit Punch. So, uh, you know, that that's always been a nice, um, you know, nice thing for the guests that they've had the, the free unlimited soft drinks. And also, if you forget things like sunscreen, you know, that's also available for or you. Or if you don't bring your parking from home, parking's free as well. Yeah, parking is free as well. Uh, now, that was something that I noticed, you know, over the years, too, is how the parking had expanded to where it used to be off to the side near the Raven. Now it's across the street as well. So they've really expanded the, the park. Yeah, they sure have. Uh, it's Plymouth Rock Cafe is the one that I was trying to think of. Plymouth, yes, Plymouth Rock Cafe. And try the mac and cheese. Oh, there. I've it's, had the mac and cheese. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, you know, free sunscreen, uh, free parking, free soft drinks. It's Pepsi, but it's free. Uh, so, yeah, Holiday World. Uh, it's Santa Claus, Indiana. It's an hour, hour and a half west of Louisville. For those of you who are coming from the Cincinnati market or somewhere around the Louisville market, HolidayWorld.com is where you can get it. They're open through mid-October, and they've got themed lands too. Christmas, Halloween, 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. And, of course, Splash and Safari, which is themed to summer. <laughs> Let's say summer. <laughs> we'll say summer, awesome. right, right. Don, do you have any final thoughts about Holiday World? You know, just that uh, you know, I had a fantastic time. I'm looking forward to my next visit there. Looking forward to next season when they debut a new coaster. Uh, Good gravy. You know, we talked about that on an episode a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so looking forward to that. Another one of those attractions that they did a fantastic job uh, with the teaser campaign. You know, follow them on social media. You know, they like to have fun uh, with their guests. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know. Make it something that you you know you definitely want to put on your bucket list. You know, visit Holiday World. Yeah, absolutely. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, we didn't talk a lot about Good Gravy because we talked about it extensively in last week's episode, all about the announcement of Good Gravy. But I would be remiss if I didn't say I, I kind of alluded to it that uh, Thanksgiving the section is expanding. It's going to be a Vacoma family boomerang, uh, and you know I'm not going to go into too much detail. You got to look it up. It's themed to gravy. I'm not kidding. Uh, and you go through all the different utensils and different things that have to do with a Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm making myself hungry, so I'm going to shut up. And, and when you're at the park, when you're at Holiday World, and you see the Thanksgiving area, I mean, that name makes all the sense in the world. Oh, absolutely. Cool. All right. So, with that being said, it's time for a little segment we like to call the Pick 6. I believe I have the first one today. Ryan. Yeah. Yep, you get us started. All right, so we are never not talking about Universal Orlando, um, but we pro- talked about this before. Minion Land that opens Friday as of this recording, uh, so it's based on the Minions franchise from the animated film Despicable Me. is an interactive gaming attraction built in partnership with Illumination. Um, you know, Illumination. Uh, it's funny because uh, I I learned this, and this is a little bit going off kilter, but not entirely. But 
um, Illumination actually has their own um, software for animation, and they use that to make the Mario Brothers movie. And uh, I, I showed the Mario movie, which is now on Peacock. I highly recommend it. It's hilarious uh, to some friends that are into that sort of thing. And they were gushing over how good the animation looked. So I can only imagine how cool the ride is. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you got Minions Cafe and stuff that opened, too. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm very excited. You know what? What I like is it seems like and it gives us a lot of content to talk about, but it seems like every, you know, a couple of months that uh, Universal Orlando Resort they're opening something new, you know, they keep expanding, they keep uh, updating, maybe, you know, sections and things that are a little outdated and, uh, you know, just keeping everything fresh. Um, you know, when you put something like the, this in, it connects with a lot of, a lot of their audience, you know, their guests, um, you know, people are familiar with it uh, from the animated film with Despicable Me. So, uh, you know, I'm excited about it. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Uh, always exciting news coming out of Universal Orlando. What's up next? Their Disneyland recycles their, you know, food scraps, Universal Studios. They have a couple of electric trams, but Six Flags Magic Mountain may soon become the most, uh, we're talking about ecology here, yeah. friendly theme park of them all. Uh, the, the park out in California is scheduled to start construction on a solar array it's built in magic mountains enormous main parking lot if you've been there you know what we're talking about with how big that parking lot is and when completed it'll generate 20.8 million again 20.8 million um, kilowatt hours of energy annually and that's enough electricity to run the entire 260 acre park so uh it's uh it's an interesting concept you know they've been working on it for a little while we we touched on this several weeks ago but uh you know it's gonna be interesting to see how that works out and again doing it in the parking lot i think that's fantastic and it, it's twofold for one you know if you can power the whole park with the sun that hits your parking lot that's next generation stuff right there that's awesome let's set aside that if you go out to your car in california southern california at that and it's four o'clock I bet the interior of a car is like 160, 180 degrees, somewhere in there. This is covering that up. It's making carports. So not only does it have this benefit for green energy, but it also keeps the cars cool, which I think is just so cool. Have you ever thought about that? You know, the other thing about that's interesting, Ryan, with this is, you know, you'll read all the time, you know, out there, you know, whether you see it on social media and there's always, you know, a park had a, a brief you know, power outage and it shut everything down and it always becomes, you know, something that's in the news. Those things happen a lot. It's not a big deal, but it, you know, it, it does happen. It's an inconvenience for the guests when it does happen, but something like this, you know, maybe that solves that issue. You, you never have to worry about that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, exciting. Yeah. I, I hope more parks do that. Um, I hope it becomes a thing. You know, the solar power stuff uh, has got a ways to go before it can be something we can rely on entirely. But this sort of stuff is what drives it forward. So good for them. Good for them. Okay. So this one is out of left field. We had to include it. So <laughs> we like left field stuff. Yes. Don't we? Being baseball fans, we love left field. So Lord Mayor Sally Cap of Melbourne, Australia, and the, uh, told the Herald Sun <laughs> that she believes that the continent could support an Australia Disneyland. 
So it's not just speculation. She picked out uh, she picked out a spot for it, uh, and it's an area called Fisherman's Bend. Uh, this area is uh, more than a thousand acres, so it's it's not necessarily as big as like Disney World, but it is as big as like Tokyo Disneyland. Um, so this brings out a, like a wider conversation. Why doesn't Disney have a park on every continent? Don't you think that that would be profitable? Like, what's your theory behind their thinking? <laughs> Well, you are surprised, you know, when you look at the different places that they do have um, theme parks that, you know, why don't they have one out there in Australia? But um, it's good in concept. You know, there's nothing in this this, uh, you know, story that's out there about, you know, who would finance it, where they would get the money uh, to build something. They're looking to have a Disneyland type, you know, park out there. So it's it's a lot of money we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, it does uh, beg the question, you know, why that was missed, you know, in all the places that Disney has put parks in. They got them in Paris. They got them in Tokyo. They got them in the States. Why not Australia? Yeah, I mean, why not? I there, There's got to be, it's kind of like, why doesn't every major city have a theme park? And it's because to support large theme parks, a la your Cedar Points and your Kings Islands, you got to draw from more than one metropolitan area, which is why a regional park has to draw from uh, let's say five metropolitan areas to be successful. Uh, but maybe Disney has this thought where you have to draw from 15 countries to be successful. So if you put one in Australia, you're making Beijing or Tokyo <coughs> suffer, right? you know, uh, which I think they would end up coming up ahead, but that's also putting however many billions it takes to build a Disneyland uh, as well as taking that kind of risk uh, in- into building stuff like that. But, yeah, it's an interesting thought, uh, and we will keep an eye on the situation. So there's that. What's next? Well, moving on, Oakwood Theme Park in Wales, UK. So here we are out of the country again. Has reopened its Megaphobia roller coaster following a $2 million refurbishment. Uh, the thing I like about this refurbishment is who's involved with it. It's being carried out by the Gravity Group, our good friends there, and involves retracking a portion of the wooden roller coaster and reprofiling its first drop. Now, based on our experiences with the Gravity Group at different coasters around the country, uh, we know what they're doing is going to work. Yeah. So, um, you know, without, I, I, we're kind of speculating here because it didn't specifically specify uh, that they're going to be doing this, but Gravity Group has this new form of track development, which is like laser precise and uh, it kind of... Pre-cut track. Yeah, it's pre-cut uh, in the factory. And the... Um, the fact that they're reprofiling the pitch of the hill, shall we say, implies to me that they are doing that. Don't know for sure, but I I would bet money that they are. And the people over there and where is this? Wales. They're going to be thrilled with how it is because it's going to be a million times better than it was. You know, God bless the gravity group. So check them out. Okay. Uh, So next story. Uh, sad news, but the Alpine bobsled at Six Flags Great Escape in Queensbury, New York, have not made it out there. Uh, will be retired to make way for future attractions. Uh, guests can ride the Olympic-inspired attraction till September 4th. So as of this recording, you have just under a month. Um, <laughs> in my notes, says Don wrote this many times. First when it debuted in 1984 at Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey, and then at Six Flags Great Escape. So it's been around three times? Or it's been relocated uh... twice, I guess? It's been relocated, yeah. So it started out at Six Flags Great Adventure, New Jersey. Then it ended up at Great Escape. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Queensbury, New York. So it's kind of near the um, like Glens Falls area. 
out that way where it's located. Uh, when I lived in Albany, it was about a 50 minute drive uh, from where I live. So I had a season pass and was there on the weekends before I came back to the Cincinnati area. One of my favorite attractions, you know, so I was on it when it first debuted, you know, in New Jersey at Six Flags there. Um, it was kind of uh, the new thing at that time. You were seeing the, the Alpine bobsled rides popping up at different parks. So it was kind of the rage at the time. Uh, still loved it. You know, when I wrote it, A Great Escape, my daughter loved it. So we had fun together. So a lot of memories there with that. So just one of our favorite rides. We'd ride it over and over again because it was just, again, so much fun. Uh, and it's kind of sad to see because there's not many of them left now. Yeah, it, and it's it's kind of weird because it seems like they are a dying breed. But um, my most recent experience with this type of coaster is Reptilian at King's Dominion. And I love that ride. I loved it when I first rode it in 2016, 2017. Um, if, what do they call it? The Olympic bobsled, the Alpine bobsled, something mm -hmm. like that. And now it's Reptilian. Um, took the girlfriend there last year, the year before, and she loved it too. So it's sad to see this sort of stuff go, but I guess it's one of those things where it's just, uh, it doesn't have the attractiveness in today's market. And then out with the old and with the new, I suppose, right? Yeah, I guess. So, uh, you know, it's just sad, you know, to see it go, especially when you, you know, spent a lot of time riding them in your younger days and you have memories with your family on them. So it's, it's just always sad to see rides like that go. But I'm sure they'll have something new and exciting to go in its Most place. Most certainly. All right, All right Don, take us back to Australia, but give us news of something that's actually going to happen. <laughs> well, yeah, plans are moving forward to build the new North Bellarine Aquatic Center in Drysdale, Australia. I've never been to Drysdale. Not Australia. Drysdale, you, no. <laughs> I heard it's nice. I heard they got good chicken wings there. But anyway, <laughs> after concept plans for the second uh, second stage of the indoor indoor pool, uh, got the council's approval this past week. Uh, the new center will feature a warm water pool, eight-lane, 25-meter pool, a gym, a cafe. That's where I'd probably be spending most of my time and accessible changing rooms. So a lot of things happening in Australia. Sounds like you and I have to, to make a trip there and check this out. You know, if we go to Australia, we're definitely going to have to take Mefford with us. Uh, we will have Bill Mefford on the show eventually. Uh, I actually talked to him a few days ago again. Um, and he was the director of communications for Sydney's Wonderland. Uh, and he's got a lot to say about Australian culture and stuff. Um, so it would be interesting to have his perspective on this. I, I know, you know, and we're totally going off the rails here, uh, but somebody had the idea of reopening Wonderland. Uh, this was probably five years ago and he reached out to him saying like, Hey, if you need any help, let me know. And they're like, Oh yeah, we could use you as a resource and this and that. No, you do PR, but they it never got off the ground. You know, they weren't that serious about it, but the news was strong enough to hit here. Um, but yeah, yeah at least uh, something that's going to happen. Now, I may be eating my words if they announce a Disneyland in Australia, but uh, but nonetheless. Um, that just, I mean, just the, the amount of money that it would take to, to, to build something like that. I think that's why you and I probably question it more than anything is where's the money coming from? I always question it when it's a lot of overseas projects. I mean, it's even even in the United States, how many theme parks are announced and never built? Like how many theme parks have been announced for the city of Houston since Astroworld has closed? I can think of three 
And they they were never built. Three. That's the number. I yeah. Not, for th- for sure, there's been three there's there's three, and then they're in the papers. You got a face to it. Who's the the person behind it? Um, you know exactly. They have the land picked out, everything like that. So yeah, three. there's three, and then there's one that I I can't discuss publicly, but I I know about, and it was definitely going to happen, uh, and then it didn't happen because financing is really hard to get for a billion dollars. Yeah, and even even in today's world, a billion dollars wouldn't be enough for a park that would support Houston. It would have to be two billion, two and a half billion, you know. Um, but yeah, it's I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, a lot of these like some of these parks in like the Middle East, which are a lot of PR campaigns and stuff. Now the Falcons flight thing that looks like it's being built. I heard one of the YouTubers say that they think it's going to be built but never run. Uh, that would be hugely disappointing. But. <sighs> Like with any park, I mean, even with the Mattel park, I didn't believe it until I saw him breaking ground and moving earth. That's going to happen, but that's pretty close to happening at this point, you know? Oh right. my word. Okay. Anyway, any final thoughts, Don? Well, around listening to our podcast, be sure to check out the Lincoln lawyer on Netflix. Watch the Lincoln lawyer on Netflix. Watch black mirror on Netflix. That's a fantastic show. And then watch Amazing Stories on Apple TV+. Plus. I love that show. Have you seen that? I've only got the bandwidth for one. No, no. you got plenty of time nowadays. You can do both. Actually, <laughs> Black Mirror is um, like 24 episodes per season, and they're all like an hour, hour and a half long. They're all like movies. but So you got to commit like a night to an episode. You can't just binge it all in one night. But it's, it's cerebral like the Twilight Zone. Now, Ryan, there's other things. I mean, there's Reds Baseball. I got the Bengals coming up. I've got Theme Parks by Dawn coming up. I do some writing for, uh, you know, my my Reds newsletter. Yeah, but look at all the time is... you 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 save by not having to wash your hair. That's true. That so is true. So that maybe, saves you at maybe, least... maybe maybe if I combined all of those seconds or minutes that it takes to do that, maybe I can carve out, maybe I can carve out a second show a week. Okay, that's that sounds like a deal. So we'll talk about Black Mirror next episode. Spoiler alert. All right, guys. So make sure that you look for us on YouTube if you can still stand us uh, searching for the Attractions Group podcast. We're on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, and follow us on Twitter slash X at attractions underscore GRP. We will see you next week, everybody.